Welcome, everyone, to Aghast at the Past, 1892, July 8th. So, before we get to today's stories, a quick word on the Tina Davis case. It ended with a guilty verdict, for the time being, anyway. No, we are not finished this year with that pesky James Trefethen, unfortunately. First up, the famed outlaw Jesse James was shot in the back of the head 10 years earlier, on April 3, 1882, by Robert Ford, a peripheral member of the James Younger Gang, at James's house in St. Joseph, Missouri. Ford went on to perform reenactments of the killing to paying crowds for a while, but when that dried up, he went out west to gamble, run saloons, and dance halls and he continued to draw trouble, with plenty of people challenging him and his notorious past. On June 8, 1892, Bob Ford was killed in Colorado. It took a while for the story of his demise to develop, and by July 8, it was still being tweaked and regurgitated by news agencies, including in this article, taken out of Ohio's The Pequa Daily call. Bob Ford's death, the cowardly slayer of Jesse James, finally brought to earth. Bob Ford, who was shot and killed by Deputy Sheriff Edward Kelly in a dance hall at Creed, Colorado a few days ago, has been notorious throughout the West for many years and feared as a contemptible traitor since he killed Jesse James the outlaw chief, in a St. Louis, Missouri cottage on April 3, 1882. He came into Creed when the town first started and has been there ever since, except for six or seven weeks, when he was forced to be away by threats of hanging for promiscuous shooting in the streets while on a drunk with Joe Palmer. Kelly, who finally brought Ford down, is the man who was reported to have killed him last February. And the row a few nights ago is supposed to be a sequel to the former quarrel, of which Kelly had the worst. At that time, he swore vengeance, and Ford was always expecting to be downed by Kelly or someone else. The shooting was done with no other words than, Hello, Bob, from Kelly and none at all from Ford, who died instantly. Kelly is now under arrest and guarded by an unknown, who is supposed to have handed him the shotgun with which he killed Ford. Bob Ford's death is not regretted. He has had several rows in Colorado, but being a coward, never went into open fight without an advantage. He has been held in contempt ever since he killed Jesse James in such a cowardly fashion in that St. Joseph cottage. Jesse James, because of the excitement his bold outlawry had caused, was forced to retire to that cottage where he lived with Bob and Charlie Ford, the only members of his band who knew his whereabouts. 
after Governor Crittenden had offered $10,000 for the bandit James, dead or alive, Bob Ford and his brother decided to get that reward. They waited several days for a chance to catch their chief without his gun, and finally did so when he put aside his belt and mounted a chair to straighten a picture on the wall. In the most treacherous manner, Bob Ford then sent a bullet through the head of his chief and gave himself up to the authorities. This cowardly murder created a wild sensation throughout the West, and Ford was in danger of being lynched. He was indicted, proved guilty of murder, and sentenced, but was pardoned in the courtroom by Governor Crittenden, to whom it was learned he had given promise to commit the murder. We also find ourselves in the heated middle of one of the most famous labor battles in American history on July 8th. It's called the Homestead Strike because the conflict began at the Homestead Steelworks in a Pennsylvania town called Homestead. The Homestead Steelworks was operated by Andrew Carnegie's Carnegie Steel. The plant manufactured through a new technology called an open hearth system, steel that could be used as structural beams and also as armor for U.S. Navy vessels. It was a state-of-the-art factory, using overhead cranes, hoists, and other equipment that streamlined production. This made it for many years the largest steel mill in the entire world. It also had a feisty relationship with the Amalgamated Association of Iron and Steel Workers, or the AA, which was an American labor union started in 1876. The AA had organized in other steel plants in the area, and in 1889 had made significant headway into the Homestead Mill Works. By June 30th of 1892, steel workers tired of substandard wages and long working hours, began a strike. Publicly, Carnegie supported labor unions, but he had also placed Henry Clay Frick in charge of company operations. Frick was an industrialist and a financier who was vehemently anti-union and tried hard to clamp down on the mill even going so far as to have a tall barbed wire fence built around it, which led to workers bestowing the name Fort Frick on their workplace. Among his tactics was hiring Pinkerton detectives with the intent to infiltrate the Union and ultimately sabotage their efforts at organizing. In the early morning of July 6th, 1892, about 300 Pinkerton detectives rode on barges up the Monongahela River, their destination, Homestead. They were met, however, by thousands of striking workers and their families who were fully prepared to do whatever it took to prevent the detectives from disembarking. A gun battle ensued as Pinkertons, armed with Winchester repeating rifles, faced off against strikers positioned on the surrounding bluffs, who fired down upon them like fish in a barrel. 
Realizing that they were outgunned and outmaneuvered, the detectives finally surrendered, but not before close to a dozen of them had been killed. Once the Pinkertons came to shore under the white flag, the crowd of angry men, women, and children began to savagely beat them. This, in turn, led Pennsylvania's governor to dispatch 8,500 National Guardsmen to the homestead plant. They took control and placed the nearby community under martial law. The public was, at first, extremely sympathetic to the strikers, but after the Pinkertons were ambushed, beaten, and again, a number of them killed, opinion changed. Strikebreakers arrived, and by mid-August, the steel mill's operations had resumed. But for the unions, there were a couple of positive results. 26 states passed laws outlawing the use of hired guns, like the Pinkertons in labor disputes. And Andrew Carnegie was roundly mocked for staying in Scotland, even as tensions escalated here is an article from the July 8th issue of the Pittsburgh Dispatch, page 1, offering details regarding the aftermath of the battle. Sick and wounded, Pinkerton men in the hospitals regret their part in the fray. 36 are disabled. The sad results of the strife at Homestead are seen at the hospitals, where men lie wounded and suffering, 28 of the unfortunate Pinkertons are now at West Penn Hospital, and a sadder lot of patients has seldom been seen. There are men with broken arms and disjointed ankles, others with broken noses and cut faces, and many with bruised heads and injured backs, presenting altogether, as they lay in their various wards, a pitiful picture of human misery. As soon as it was known that the Pinkerton men had surrendered at Homestead, Superintendent Cowan of the West Penn Hospital sent Surgeon Lewin and Walker, accompanied by Clerk Woodward, to the scene of disaster to care for the disabled. Arriving at Homestead, they found many of the Pinkerton men badly in need of medical assistance, and after ministering to their wants so far as possible, they brought those who were most badly injured to the West Penn Hospital. The paper went on to list both Pinkertons and strikers who were injured in the melee. Some of the Pinkertons, the paper wrote, feel very bitter towards the homestead strikers for abusing them after their surrender, while others make but little complaint. One man who was interviewed and who requested that his name be withheld from publication said, About four o'clock, when we had given up all hope, a steamer came down the river and we implored its captain to take us down the river, but he refused and went on, little caring, apparently, whether we lost our lives or not. After this, there was but one hope, and that was in surrendering to the mob. How long have you been with the Pinkertons? was asked. About three days. I live in Philadelphia and was out of work. 
When they advertised for men, I offered my services, not knowing where I was going or for what purpose. I have had an experience never to be forgotten and never to be repeated. It was the first naval battle that I was ever in, and I wanted to be the last. It has been reported that the Pinkerton men received $5 per day. Is that so? asked the reporter. We received $15 a week, sometimes more when the job is short and the work dangerous. I went to Homestead for $15 a week, but would not go back for $15,000 a minute. The man who lay upon the next bed was a foreigner by birth. He had his eyes blacked, his jaw broken, his nose broken, and a rib fractured. He said, I received all these bruises after we surrendered. I wish we had stayed in the boat. We might as well have been shot to death as clubbed into cripples and have our faces mashed. John Smith of Philadelphia, who had been shot in the left arm, said that he was a watchman, meaning a regular Pinkerton employee. I have been in the service a good while, he continued, but I never saw such determined, bloodthirsty people as those of Homestead. This is the first time that the Pinkerton men ever failed in an undertaking, but I guess they haven't had much experience in the marine business. There are good marksmen at Homestead. Every time a man passed an opening in the board, the rifle balls came splashing through like hail, and often in time to catch the man, as my arm will show. One man made inquiry in regard to the Pinkerton men who were shipped away and asked who paid their expenses. He said that he was out of money and did not know how he would get home unless someone should assist him. The reporter suggested that his employers ought to take care of him when he replied, Yes, but I suppose monopolies and their agents have no further use for a man when he is crippled and of no use to them. This ends today's episode of Aghast at the Past 1892. Until next time.